Well, hello once again. And this is Heather Bayer at Vacation Rental Success. And I'm here to welcome you to episode number 12. And uh, once again, we have another great interview today. So hang in there and, uh, and listen to the end because there's a great offer as well. Well, it's great to be back again. Um, it's been one of those those really, really busy weeks in our rental agency. It's February. Everybody's thinking about the summer. We've had a long, long cold winter here. And it, it seems like people are definitely in vacation booking mode. Um, something we are hearing a lot at the moment as well, as well as people wanting to book vacation rentals uh, in our neck of the woods, we're hearing from a lot of brand new owners, um, people who, who've bought new properties uh, over the winter and are thinking about setting them up for rental now. Or a lot of people have, um, have had properties in their, in their family for quite a while or have been using it themselves over the past few years and have just found that it's, it's just not for them anymore. Or, you know, the kids are growing up, they're not as interested in getting out to the cottage as, as they used to be. So they're turning to rental as, uh, you know, for, for a little bit of income production, just to help them to carry some of the costs. I've also been talking to a number of people who are considering taking the leap to investment this year and they'll be looking then they are looking at buying here in Ontario and uh, and you know getting into this very fast growing market really is interesting though this right across the world the market is changing and and I'm having to do a lot of education with with the people that I'm talking to over the phone about what guests are actually looking for these days because it's a lot different from 10 years ago and the old traditional model of uh, of cottage rental which is actually what it used to be like in England i remember uh, 20 years ago renting a cottage in cornwall and fully expecting to get there and and to find it probably not as clean as i would have liked and we had to take our own linens and we had to uh, you know there was there was a beat up old vacuum cleaner if there was if there was one at all so that we we had to do the the cleaning at the end as well but we were we were pretty happy because there wasn't a great deal of choice at that time and and we really took what we could get and we tended to be a much hardier bunch then and i've mentioned this before that uh, that that people who are renting vacation homes 20 odd years ago had probably come from a background of camping so we were all used to canvas and the rain leaking in so so actually having a roof over our heads that didn't leak was a huge bonus so if if there were a couple of mouse droppings in a drawer or dead dead flies in the window sills we really didn't care you know we we were much more accepting of of what it was whereas nowadays we we find certainly with uh, with our guests that come to our cottages that that they have much greater demands they have much higher standards which i think is um, you know it, it's quite acceptable to have those standards and they're now ex- expecting 
as an absolute minimum to have a spotlessly clean property on arrival and to have it fully equipped and a fully equipped kitchen. I mean, gone are the days of the old blunt knives and other kitchen appliances that were rusted and nonstick pans where the there was very little left of the Teflon. Um, standards are changing and we as owners are having to really, really change to to match up with the expectations of, of our guests. And I just think that is such a great thing. Ten years ago, people coming to a cottage rental in Ontario were fully expected to leave it in exactly the same condition in which they found it. And they were expected to clean the toilets and wash the floors and vacuum and dust and even do the windows before they left uh, to go home. That's just not acceptable anymore. And I know it still happens. It happens in right across our our province uh, that these things are still being asked of our rental guests. But more and more, we are we are seeing owners that are now appreciating that we're in a hospitality industry. And uh, it's, it's just interesting change. I love to see it happening. I love to see these changes uh, going on. So in episode four of Vacation Rental Success, I talked to Lisa Sidor, who's a, a Canadian, a fellow Canadian, uh, about her great success in buying a property in Orlando and getting it to near maximum occupancy within a year. And in that episode, Lisa mentioned how helpful it was to have a realtor on her side that really, really understood the vacation rental market and was able to help her find the right property and more specifically to help her negotiate the pitfalls of buying property in another country. And this is particularly relevant to me because of um, the project we have on at the moment, looking to buy a property in the Bahamas. So I was really excited when I saw that the realtor that Lisa uh, used to help her buy a property in Orlando had written um, an ebook, or let's call it an e-course called Everything You Wish You Knew About Buying a Vacation Rental Home. And I read through this book and I was just blown away by just the, the, the content in it, how useful it was and how relevant it was, not just to the buying a property in Florida, but for anyone, in fact, who's thinking of buying a property at a distance. So I am pleased and delighted this morning to have with me as my guest, Erica Muller. Now, Erica is the, the founder of an Orlando-based real estate group and... Um, popular vacation home website, thepinkflamingo.info, that specializes in short-term vacation rental property investments in Florida. So good morning, Erica. How are you? Good morning, Heather. I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, I, I don't know whether I'm doing this to myself uh, at the moment as, as some sort of punishment, but I'm talking to you in Florida. And the first thing we've done is talk about the weather when we when we <laughs> talked earlier. And uh, last week I was talking to Erin Raab in Costa Rica. And before that, it was Alan Egan in Portugal. I seem to be sort of living my life vicariously through people that are living in better climates than I am at the moment. Oh, goodness. Well, I won't lie to you. It is quite beautiful here today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's always lovely to, uh, to to do a bit of armchair traveling. You know, I, I, I spent part of the morning looking at Florida vacation home rental uh, listings. And, and yeah, looking at all that blue sky and the sunshine, it uh, 
you know, it always puts a happy smile on my face uh, in the morning to do that. But having said that, it's pretty gorgeous here with blue sky and snow. So I'm okay. Anyway, Erica, tell me a little bit about um, about what you do and how you work with vacation rental home buyers. Okay. Um, basically, we specialize in Orlando, Florida. And the reason we specialize here is because it happens to be one of the most successful vacation rental markets in Florida. And our owners typically have a lot of success year round versus seasonally. Um, so we have pretty much kind of taken a very narrow scope to this community and identified all of the communities that are zoned for short-term rental. And we've focused on those. We've gotten the numbers for all of them from property managers, from owners. And over the course of the, you know, 10 years we've been doing this, we've been able to kind of get a system together that we know where if our clients are going to buy in a specific community, how much they're going to make, what kind of success they can expect. So it's very much, um, it's very much a fine-tuned machine that we've been working on over the years, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It sounds like a very a, a technical uh, side to to the business rather than just um, just telling people you've got a property to to sell them. It's it's giving them all the the information that enables them to make a really um, rational and reasoned decision. Right, because we look at this as we're we're selling um, a vacation rental is more like a business. It's a hospitality investment. Even though it's a residential real estate investment, we look at it as a hospitality investment. And so if we were going to sell a business to somebody, we wouldn't just say, oh, it has a beautiful couch. It has a beautiful kitchen here. Buy it. We have to look at the numbers. We have to look at a whole lot of things to make sure that before our clients buy it, it's going to be successful. And having done that numerous times over and over and over, you get to really know the houses, the communities, the numbers, the property managers and, and where the bookings are coming from. So it is a system, really. Yeah, and it sounds like you're, you're you're offering a very well-rounded service. Tell me what the uh, vacation rental market is like in Florida at the moment. You know, go, coming in from uh, you know a couple of years of of downturn across North America. How did it impact Florida, and um, what's it like now, both for tourism, so that's your inbound guests, and for people considering buying? Okay, great question. Um, since 2008, we have seen a very, very steady increase every year in tourism. Um, last year, Orlando welcomed 57, uh, not last year, I'm sorry, 2012, 57 million visitors. And that was according to the Visit Orlando website. Um, 2013, the number was higher. So we're seeing a steady increase every year. Um, because of this, this incredible you know, increase in tourism that keeps going up every year, we have Disney and all the theme parks dumping billions of dollars into expansions of their theme parks. Um, we have a lot of local small ones expanding. Um, and we know that these companies would not be spending billions of dollars to expand their, their parks to drive more tra traffic to the park if there wasn't tourism happening here. The interesting thing, though, with all of this is that hotels are not popping up left and right like you would think. You would think, oh, Orlando, Disney, there's hotels, but they're really not. Um, there, for one, there's not a whole lot of land to buy to put more hotels in because there's already so many. So you have a lot of these hotels that 10 years ago, they were really nice. Now they're just kind of hotels and they really need an overhaul. And I don't know when that's going to happen. But even more interesting than that is what we do have popping up everywhere are new vacation rental neighborhoods. And these are all happening within a five to 10 mile radius of Disney. For every hotel that's not being built, we have a new vacation, specific vacation rental community being built 
designed specifically for people to buy and rent out for vacation home use. So it's very exciting what's going on here because it's, I've never seen this in any other market in Florida where you have like a whole industry being built around one theme park, but this industry happens to be a small real estate niche and it's a great investment for that, that purpose. So that's what's great about for investing here if you think about it. Now the rest of Florida, I'm not going to say it's, it's not good either because there's some really great parts of Florida along the coast. However, it's seasonal. So as long as our weather stays great, you know, you're going to have your, your prime seasons to rent, which is going to be, um, you know, the wintertime when it's cold and then summer, it, it definitely slows down. So over the summer, a lot of people will reduce their rates quite a bit just to get somebody in there or they'll use it themselves. But it's so hot here during the summer. If you have a coastal property, it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's as much fun as staying in central Florida because there's more to do when it's hot inside and different things like that. But the good thing about that is in central Florida, we get a lot of people vacationing when their kids are out of school because of Disney. Mm-hmm. So even though it's hot here, whereas on the coast, you wouldn't get too many people staying there for that, you know, just to go to the beach, you still get it's, it's the, actually the busiest time of the year because you get all these families traveling from around the world. So it's a very interesting market here. It's year round. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really important point, and it's it's certainly one that in in my search for another property, I'm taking into into account. We have a very seasonal market here up in uh, in Ontario, and and really that that is down to July and August. We have a struggle because most of our uh, our clients come out of out of Toronto. It seems that after Labor Day, the Torontonians shut the gates and oh, they wow. <laughs> and they stop in until the following July. So we, we do have a challenge and it's one of the reasons I'm now thinking about selling my two properties and buying somewhere that has a year-round market. And it's very interesting that you you mentioned, um, obviously you're going to mention Disney, but as part of the of the whole package, I guess, because in, in my search in the Bahamas, we've, we've zeroed in on the um, out island of Exuma. One of the reasons being is that Sandals built a resort there. So there are flights going in there, actually direct from Toronto, go directly into this tiny island. Oh wow! Um, um, twice a week, um, from Atlanta, there's flights out of Atlanta directly into Georgetown. And as part of our research, we we looked at well, you know, if if people are going to Sandals, why are they going to have, why would they go to a vacation rental? And then we talked to people and found that you know if people go to Sandals, they absolutely love the island, and now they're considering a vacation rental. Now they go back there again. They're not paying the huge amounts for for, for the sandals um, uh, experience. They're they're going to have a a different experience in a vacation rental in that same place that they love so much. So it was was interesting that in the the research that people need to do when they're thinking about buying in in an entirely different area that they're used to, that they look around and see what is it that's going to attract people to come year round to that location. It's an interesting concept, but I like to look at it as piggybacking off of these larger companies like Sandals spends a lot of money on their marketing, a lot. And they bring in a lot of people. And I love how you recognize that and you saw that opportunity there. So instead of you having to spend all kinds of money on marketing, you're letting Sandals do it for you. And you're letting them bring in the traffic and then you're just kind of capturing them for the next year. That's a fantastic concept. And that's definitely what we're talking about when we say look to these larger companies like Disney, Sandals, find whatever it is that's in that area you're looking and figure out how you can piggyback off that and if it's worth doing. And then you have a great market to invest in. 
Yeah, it's a great. It really is a, a great concept, and I don't think you know people don't tend to uh, to to think about that. It's it's a little bit out of the box. Where when they're looking at uh, at locations, they're looking more at the you know the natural beauty and so let let's let's stick to Florida for a moment. So what's what's your advice for somebody um, looking to buy a property in Florida on which location to choose? I mean, you you have mentioned that Central Florida has that year round cachet, I guess, but if if Disney is not their thing, what questions should they be asking about location if they were going to? go somewhere else in Florida? Well, I think the first question everybody needs to ask is, why am I doing this? Is it, a, is it about me? Is it about the money? Is it about the investment? Is it both? So if your answer to that is that it's not the money is not as important as your personal experience that you're going to gain from it, then what you should really be considering is um, what's going to obviously make you happy. I mean, Florida has Florida has a lot to offer, but mainly when you think of Florida, we have the coast, we have the beaches, we have Key West, we have that lifestyle. So um, you really have to say, if you're going to be along the coast, well, which coast is it going to be and why? So for example, you have the East Coast of Florida, which is very different than the West Coast. Um, they both offer very different experiences, such as the East Coast is big for surfing, for fishing, for all kinds of different activities on the East Coast. It's closer to Miami. Then you have the West Coast, which tends to be more of a retirement area. It's a little more slow paced. Um, the, the oceans don't get as uh, crazy. They're very, very calm. So there's not a lot of surfing over there. So you don't get a lot of the riffraff, that type of stuff. So really, you have to ask yourself, what kind of experience are you looking for? Now, if it's about the money, if you're saying to yourself, I really need to have this investment pay for itself, but I also want to make money from it. I don't just want it to pay for itself. I want a return. If that's the case, that's when we have to go back to the piggyback concept. Um, so if you're looking for a return above and beyond 1% or 2% annually, then honestly, Orlando really is the one. And Miami even, Miami gets a lot of traffic as well. So Miami and Orlando would probably be the most profitable places in terms of cash flow. So if that's important to you, then you've already narrowed it down to two locations. Um, and then from that point on, you just need to decide, do you want more of an active nightlife, more of a, a younger, hip, fun party crowd, or do you want more of that family environment that you can bring your grandchildren and your children to. So, I mean, those are the questions I would start with is why are you buying it? What do you want to get out of it? And how important is the income from this? That's a great answer. Year, years ago, when we first came out to Canada, we, we stayed in a, in a cottage on an, on, a, um, on an island. So we got taken out there by boat and it was all very romantic. And we were actually going to my brother's wedding. So the whole family was there and it was, we, we just had a great time. And I remember one one night, my sister and I were sat out on a rock and we were looking at the uh, sunset and drinking a gin and tonic. And we said, we could do this. We could do this and we could do it better. We, uh, you know, we, we did what everybody does on vacation, then spent two days when the weather wasn't great, looking in real to windows and and figured the price was just, the prices were just amazing at that time because the exchange rate with the British pound was was extremely good. We could have made a big, we nearly did make a big mistake in uh, in, in just buying something uh, at the time because the the research is just so important. In your area, what mistakes would someone make if if they don't do that research? I think the biggest misconception that people make, and we get this all the time, is the lack of research. I'm not even kidding. We get calls from people that are just so enamored with our weather and the beauty, and they just wake up and they decide they're going to get a home here. Well, and there's no research that's been done. And 
when we sit down, the number one thing we have to do with everyone is educate them, which is why we wrote this book, because we're hoping that this that this book leaves nothing out. But once we educate people and we explain to them, this is this is an investment. This, there's going to be some work involved if you want this to generate you money. When people find that out, they're typically not as interested that there's going to be some work on their part. Now, there doesn't have to be. But again, it comes back down to most people want to make money on their investment. But this isn't one of those, you buy it, you turn it over to a property manager, you never see from it or hear from it again, and then it just sends you lots of money every month. You know, you have to work together closely with your property manager. Um, they're like your business partner in all of this. So if there's stuff that needs to be done to the house that they, they're recommending having done, you need to be willing to write a check for that because if it's going to help increase bookings, that's the main goal. You know, so definitely the amount of work involved and I don't want to say that to scare anybody, because when I say amount of work, I mean, there's a lot of people that they want to do their own bookings. And Heather, I know you do this too, a lot of your own bookings. So, you know, um, there's work involved in that. You make more money on your bookings and you generate more income, but you also have to take an active role in it. Now, when your property manager books it, they're getting a percentage of that, which is fine, but it's less in your pocket. So that would be the first thing we talk to them about is, okay, again, it comes back down to the money. How much are you looking to get out of this? And do you realize that if you want to make more money on this, there is some work involved on your part? And then the second thing is doing your research on the market, because also there's a lot of misconceptions on prices. Um, they think they're going to get something really cheap for like $50,000 and make a whole bunch of money. Well, I don't know if you've seen what's around here lately for $50,000, but it's nothing that somebody's going to sleep in. Um, so we deal with that misconception as well. So normally if someone gets through those first two, uh, misconceptions of what's going on and how it works and they're still interested, we then kind of move forward from there. And that's really what people need to be looking into. Yeah. There was something else that I picked up, um, from your book and it's something that's, that's happening right the way across North America and Canada. It's the, it's the short-term rental, um, barriers, that are popping up all over the place. And, uh, and, yes. and we know this is going to be an issue that everyone in the vacation rental business is going to be tackling over the next uh, year or so. As vacation rentals become more popular, there, there are going to be hotel groups and, and other organizations that are going to want it um, tempered in some way. And one way of doing that is to is to put up barriers and restrictions to people doing short-term rental. And we've seen it happening in places like New York and San Francisco, Paris even, right, right. across the world. So, and, and I do know, I did hear of somebody who had bought a property uh, in an area. It wasn't Florida. I, I believe it was somewhere in Arizona. They bought a property very, very quickly after after visiting, visiting the place for the first time, got it all set up for rental and then found that there was a short-term rental ban in the area oh. and they were not to, able to rent it for any less than 30 days at a time. That is a nightmare. And <laughs> you know that, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be that guy, Heather. I mean, I just wouldn't. And that's part of not doing the research and having the right person working with you on this. Um, you know, I was after we get through those first two hurdles I talked about, the, the next thing we do with them is we let them know, you know, okay, look, if, if you're interested, there's really only three areas that are zoned for this. And within those areas, you have those specific neighborhoods. But And these hotels, these large hotel chains, they have a lot of money to lobby against this stuff. And vacation rentals do pose a threat to them, especially in busy areas like Orlando. So you're definitely onto something. So it's very important that whoever you're working with in wherever you buy within Florida or anywhere, 
that this person knows exactly the HOA bylaws, and I'm sure we'll get into the HOA, but they know the bylaws, the restrictions, all of that stuff, because every single neighborhood, it's not a county thing. Well, the, the county has to approve short-term rental, but it then comes down to a neighborhood thing. So you can have 500 neighborhoods in a county that approves short-term rental, but only 100 of those neighborhoods actually allow the short-term rental. And that's where the, the the micro knowledge comes in of the area. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I thought it was you know it was more of a global thing. But you mentioned a HOA, which is homeowners associations. Um, it's yes. it's not something that we're familiar with uh, up here in Canada, for instance, where I am. I'm very rural. We don't have anything. Maybe a little bit of neighborhood watch, but that's about it. That's nice though. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we stayed with friends in California um, a few years ago and they live in a gated community and we were just, you know, and we were told, oh, well, we, we can't do this and we can't do that and we have to, <laughs> to mow the lawns. And it's like, oh, so somebody tells you that you have to mow your lawn. Yeah, it's great. And <laughs> and yeah, it's just, you know, it, I mean, where I am now, if I want to you know, decide that I'm going hippie and I'm never going to mow my lawn, lawn again and keep a school bus in the in the yard, <laughs> then uh, then I can do exactly that. I mean, maybe the township would would have an argument about it at some point, but uh, but there is no homeowners association. So um, for, for people unfamiliar with them, can you just explain what an what a homeowners association HOA uh, actually is? Absolutely. And they're definitely more of a Florida thing than they are. Definitely not a Canadian thing for sure. Um, They're a governing body that oversees the community and they have in place a set of, they're called bylaws and they're basically the rules and restrictions that go along with owning in the community. So when you become an owner in this community, you accept that you're um, going to abide by these bylaws that the homeowners association oversees. The reason they're in place here mostly is because most of the communities here are um, gated communities, and even the ones that are not, they're built they're built that way to where they share a common entrance, a common clubhouse, a common pool, all that stuff. And when you have all these shared amenities, somebody needs to be overseeing that, and there needs to be somebody paying for it to be up to be upkept. So the way they can do that is to put a homeowners association in place and. Every owner is required to pay in every month a certain amount of money. It can be something as small as $20 a month. Some are as large as $500 a month. It just depends on where you buy. Um, And then that money goes to the homeowners association that manages it. And they are required to show you the budget, everything. So it's all public information to the owners. Um, And then within that budget, they hire lawn maintenance companies. They hire um, plumbing companies. Whatever needs to be done to maintain the community, like if there's a community dock, clubhouse, it all needs to be maintained through that budget. But they also have within those bylaws restrictions and rules on how the community needs to look. And that's put in place to maintain property values. Because the last thing anyone wants to do is wake up the next day and see that their neighbor painted their house pink. And now they have a big, bright pink house next door to them, and it's going to affect their own property value. That's the purpose of them being in place. And the common restrictions, you know, with most of them are what your yard looks like, what kind of trees you plant, how much, if they're overgrown, the exterior appearance of your house. If it's starting to grow mildew, they'll send you a notice saying you need to get it pressure cleaned. Um, if you allow, if they allow pets, what size, um, parking, if it's allowed on the street. And think about it. If they allowed you know, everybody to park on the street, if they allowed everyone's house to grow mildew, paint their houses purple, and not upkeep their yard, nobody would want to buy in that community because it would look like junk. So it does, it is, there is good, even though um, it is kind of a pain in the neck sometimes, but it does maintain property values. Yeah, it sounds sounds like it would be really, really beneficial 
uh, and particularly for, and particularly for for anybody buying for investment because they they're pretty much guaranteed that they're not going to have any issues with uh, with the, the neighborhood beginning to look grungy. Absolutely. That's that's why I'm such a big fan of them. But also the HOA is responsible for putting the um, short term rental restrictions in place. You know, they're the ones that say, hey, we're going to allow it for this many nights for this long. That's going to be the requirement. Um, and if you want to be a part of that, if you want to have a say in this, you, you can join the board as an owner and go to these meetings and vote on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So people can take an active involvement in this as well. That's something that really, really is important for people to know. And uh, and of course, that's that's why they should uh, look to find a realtor that understands all about these types of restrictions and how they would impact anybody seeking to to rent them out. Oh, absolutely. Because we have to make sure that the owner gets these bylaws and documents before they're li- they're locked into a contract. Because um, if let's say they want to buy a house in a specific neighborhood and they don't know anything about what the restrictions are, and then they're locked in after 10 days to this contract, and then they find out after that it doesn't allow, I don't know, palm trees. I'm just coming up with something. And they want to put like 10 palm trees in their yard. Well, now they're, they're stuck with it. But even worse than that, let's say they find out after they're under contract and they're locked in that it only allows short-term rental for seven days at a time. That might be okay for some people, but others might want the flexibility to rent for four days, four nights at a time. So it's really good that we get this information before they're locked in. And that's kind of a must, absolutely a must. Yeah, and that that brings me to to my next question, really. Uh, And this is about finding the right realtor. Uh, Once again, going back to my um, the research we're doing in the Bahamas, we've... um, I mean, it's a very tiny place, but we've already been through interviewing one realtor that we we really found we couldn't work with, and we've now found another one. So, what questions should potential buyers be asking when they're looking for a realtor? Because it, it's it's clear that what you do is very much geared to to this particular market. Now, do all realtors do this, or is there a, a smaller section of the realty population in Orlando? That, uh, that focuses on vacation rentals? That's a great question because um, the vacation rental niche is, is successful as it is here. It's a very, very small, small, small niche. And when I say small, I mean, we all kind of know each other. It's that small. And there's a lot of real estate agents in Florida. So um, you definitely, definitely need to find a Florida real estate agent that specializes only in short-term rental, especially if you're looking in the areas like Miami, Orlando, um, the West Coast, Naples, those are really big short-term rental areas, Key West. And, you know, there shouldn't be, it shouldn't be hard to find a realtor there that specializes in it. But the first question you might want to ask them would be, um, do you specialize in vacation rental investments? And you have to be careful because a lot of realtors will say, oh yeah, yeah, I do that. And they do, they'll do anything if they're going to make money on it. They don't even necessarily know about it, but they'll say they do. Do you sell, you know, do you sell gas stations? Sure, I'll do that. So you have to make sure you ask them first. But furthermore, I would say, well, can you tell me five to 10 neighborhoods off the top of your head that allow short-term rental in this price range, um, you know, that I can rent out for this many nights at a time? A very specific question like that. If they start fumbling and rambling on about, and it sounds like they don't know what they're talking about and they're just spouting off, well, I think maybe... I would just immediately end the conversation there because if you specialize in something as small and specific as this, it should come to your mind 
as quick as the alphabet because when you do it that many times, you know what you're talking about. So I think that would be the number one thing is to make sure they know exactly what they're talking about and then fact check. You know, take those neighborhoods, check the facts online, make sure that what they're saying, those neighborhoods are actually listed on, you know, VRBO and HomeAway because we know that they wouldn't be on there if they didn't allow it. Vacation rental. Um, so that would be the very first. And it sounds so basic and easy, but um, you would be surprised that most realtors that don't specialize in this are not prepared for that question because they don't understand even that there are neighborhoods that have to allow it. They might think that everybody allows it. That is so interesting. So, so somebody could find themselves in a... Well, well, probably a wasted journey then. If, Absolutely, it happens all the time. Yes, I can. I know? can imagine that happening because you know I, I've I've bought seven properties in the past ten years or so, I've in in different areas. So I I have used different uh, different realtors, and I know how difficult it is to find to find one uh, unless you you go the word of mouth rep method. It sometimes comes down to a matter of just looking through the the realty papers and choosing the picture that looks the prettiest. <laughs> if only it were that easy, right? You know? <laughs> and, Absolutely. And we've, we, you know, we, we certainly, when, when, we, when we came out and bought our first property here um, and we found a guy that, um, you know, that, that seemed to have a nice friendly face and he, he took us out on our first, first run to look at properties and he was taking us to places that, that just really didn't meet any of our criteria. And we said, well, no, we're looking for something that we want to rent out, not something that we want to use. And so we don't need a massive lake and we don't need this huge dock. And he said, well, that's what everybody wants. Wow. And, and I said, but we're not everybody. We've got a very specific goal in mind. And yes. that that was actually, we, we flew out from England to spend four days with this guy. And we did not find a single, he did not find us a single property. Because... That's a nightmare. <laughs> so what you said, yes, I, I absolutely agree with it. If finding, finding the right person, um, the person who has the knowledge of this niche is, is of primary importance. But uh, if, if somebody was looking in another country, then uh, how would they go about finding somebody? Is it, is it just sort of randomly looking and then asking those questions or is there a better way? You mentioned something that I really want to just kind of like elaborate on is you spent all that money to fly there, right? And mm -hmm. then you were not even able to have your needs met. So that is the last thing anybody wants to happen. And if they're from another country, let's say they're going even to New York to find a city pad, you know, you, you have the internet and that internet is the most powerful tool you're going to have to look for realtors before you leave. In my book, I go into great detail about how to do this, but you should really spend a lot of your time before you even book a flight, making sure that you have found not only the right realtor, but the right location. Um, because if you go there and you find out the location's not what you thought, the realtor's not what you thought, you've just wasted so much money. Um, so when you search online for realtors, I mean, there's obviously the big websites like Trulia, Zillow. The problem with those sites is that um, most of the realtors on there, it's just very general stuff. There's Millions of realtors on there. They're all just answering questions to try to get business. It's not specific to this niche. I would start with VRBO. I would work backwards is what I tell people to do. And this is a concept I go into in the book is, you know, go to VRBO, find your state, find your country, wherever you're, you're looking to buy a vacation rental. Then once you find it, click on it and get to know all of the areas that have vacation rental homes listed under them and start clicking through them and start looking at what people already own and start writing down the names of the neighborhoods. Because I know on, on VRBO, you can sort 
some of the bigger towns by neighborhood name. I know you can do that with Orlando. And so now you can make your own list of the neighborhoods. And once you have the list of the neighborhoods that are vacation rental based and that you know they are because you've checked it yourself, um, you can then Google, you know, uh, that neighborhood and then what's for sale in there or realtors that specialize in there. That will probably give you a much better direction on how to find somebody who who specifically works this niche versus going to like a mammoth website like Trulia or Zillow. Um, and it does require a little bit of legwork on your end, but hopefully one day this niche will be so big and so popular that, you know, we'll have our own huge website dedicated to just vacation rental real estate. That would be great. That's, but right now it's not there yet. That That's really great advice. And uh, yeah, when, when I when I first started doing this in Ontario, we we're, were talking back in 1998. Um, the internet wasn't as as good for searching uh, as it is now but i, I love the idea of uh, of going to um, going to the big listing sites and i have to say I, that that's exactly what i have done in the bahamas we were, we've been to home away we've looked at every single because it's there's not a huge amount of properties on on great exuma we've looked at every property that's there it, it, this this sort of brings me to my next question which is about you you mention in your book how important it is to to run the numbers and I was going to ask you, where do you find them? But you've you've really answered that question to, to some degree already. Because when I've been doing my research, I've been on that those sites looking at all these properties and not just looking at the neighborhood, but looking at their availability, uh, looking at the pricing, what people are charging, see what, what sort of occupancy are they getting? Is this what you mean by running the numbers? Yeah, Heather, that's definitely part of it. When you go onto VRBO and you can kind of see what the owners are getting nightly for their homes. However, that's their owner rates. That's not the management rates. So if we look at it from a bigger picture, um, running the numbers would also mean the component of management, the running cost and the owning cost. Um, and I won't go into too much detail on the exact, you know, items of what they are, but I will say that we do have to get a series of um, numbers and information from the property manager. And then we also have to look at uh, the running costs of the home um, of the other homes comparable that are listed as well. So let's say the property manager has five other homes um, in their management program in the same community that you're looking. Well, we would say to them, we need to see the running cost and the numbers for all of the five bedrooms, just like this one. We need to know what you're getting nightly for these. We need to know what the owners are netting, all that good stuff. And then we would plug those into our spreadsheet. We would also plug in um, whatever real estate costs there are involved, if there's a homeowners association fee, all that stuff. And then we would go on an average nightly rate and come up with a scenario of what you could possibly be netting every year. And it's never guaranteed, but we go with the most accurate information we have. Well, it certainly sounds like you're collecting a lot of information. And, you know, it, it really is is easy for somebody who's doing it on their own without any help to to forget something that's that's really important that's going to play a huge part. Again, going back to my you know our Bahamas research, I hadn't really given much thought to to something like electricity because there was I thinking, well, you know, we're in a, a, a the sort of climate where you don't have any heating. And in my naive way, I was thinking, well, that was going to make the electricity cheaper. But of course, there's constant air conditioning. Yes. And and the other thing is, is that electricity costs in the Bahamas are incredibly high because their electricity plant is run on diesel. And that's expensive and everything has to be imported, brought into into the island. So 
if if I if I wasn't doing the research and and if I hadn't asked the realtor about electricity costs, I mean I'm sh- I'm pretty sure he would have told me anyway. But if I'd just blithely gone in, bought a property, and looked at um, looked at VRBO and seen all the um, all the nice figures that people were getting, it's very easy to think that this is what you're going to be bringing in. Absolutely. And one thing I want to say on that that topic of electricity and running costs is that. You know, when you're looking to buy a vacation rental home, keep in mind that the newer homes that they're building, those are more energy efficient homes and the features they have are saving owners thousands of dollars a year. So depending on where you're looking in Florida, you might opt for something newer versus older, depending on what your budget is and really what it looks like when you break it all down. So, I mean, an older home, sometimes it might be less expensive up front, but in the long run, you're actually paying more to keep the home going and running and updating it. So there's all things to consider. You know what I mean? Once again, it's easy to look at, at, at figures and just take them at face value. So you're looking at realty pl- prices and seeing seeing something that's a little bit older, that's a lot, you know, that, that is less less pricey than a brand new property and, right. and not taking those very, very relevant factors into account. So, uh, so yeah, good point. Erica, is there a good time to buy in Florida? We are looking at vacation rentals here, and vacation rentals typically have people in them most of the year if they're well-renting properties. So we do have the issue of the homes being booked and you not, be able, you not being able to get in to see it. And if you're going to spend thousands of dollars on airfare and lodging to get here and be here, you definitely want to make sure you're able to get into these properties because you really probably only are going to do this one time before you buy. So that being said, the best time to come down to look at properties would be the month of May or the month of September because that's when school is just ending and school is just beginning. And it's typically not busy here during that time of the year. But the rest of the year is is pretty busy and pretty booked up. Now, summertime, uh, when the kids are out of school, in Central Florida, it's a madhouse. However, along the coast, you might have better luck if you're looking along the coast during the summer because it's very hot and people don't typically stay um, along the coast during the summer. So it depends on where you're looking, but prices, as far as prices are concerned, they're going to pretty much stay the same year round. There's not going to be a better time to get a better price. Those, that pretty much is just determined by the market. Okay. So, so really the time of year you go and, uh, and look for your property should, is really determined by whether you're going to be able to get in and actually view them or not. Right. Because if you want to be able to see the homes, I mean, I don't know of any management company that will allow, uh, potential buyers in to look while guests are staying there because that would be a complete just violation of the guest privacy because they have all their personal belongings there. So it would need to be strategically planned out to where when these homes are going to be vacant, which is another part of the puzzle that the realtor has to sort out for you is when can we get into all these homes that are vacant? When are we going to be able to see the most homes at one time? And then if you can't get into one or two properties, normally what they would have to do is somehow get in and take a video of it as soon as possible and send it to you. Yeah, interesting point. I'd like to move on to a topic that you've you've mentioned and you've talked about property management companies doing a couple of posts at the moment about to, to try and tease out what all these different things are because a rental agency is not necessarily the same as a property management company. I mean, certainly the way I see it, I run a rental agency. We don't do any property management at all. All we do is just marketing and and we deal with the clients, we screen them, we collect the money, that's it. And the owners actually take care 
of their own property management. And maybe that's that's something that's a little bit more, um, you know, local to, to our part, our, you know, our neck of the woods. What would you call them down there? What's the difference between a property rental agency and a property management company? Okay, so that's a great question, Heather. Um, here in Florida, most of the people that purchase here are pretty far away. They're in Canada, they're in the UK. So having somebody here that's their eyes and ears is very important. Um, there's two types, like you said, there's a, we call them a booking agent, somebody who does what you're saying. They market the home, they get the bookings, they take the money and then they go ahead and get it booked out. And then I, we would call the person who oversees it separately and de deals with the maintenance. We would call that a caretaker. Um, and I don't know too many, I don't have too many clients that have opted to go that route. Uh, most people tend to go with a property management company who does everything. They get it booked out and they oversee it and manage it mainly because um, if something goes wrong, you know, or the guest needs something and the two, you know, the caretaker and the booking agent are able to communicate, there could be a lot of uh, chaos that goes on. And if you're all the way across the pond, you're not going to be able to step in and deal with it. I'm not saying to go with one or the other. You really have to decide what you're comfortable with. But I recommend for the most hands off approach to work with a property manager and then just do a lot of your own bookings. I do know some people that will work with a property manager put in their own bookings, but they're actually working with a booking agent on their own. And then that's how they, they handle it. There's quite a few different ways to structure it. But I say just keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. And I suppose it really depends on how much time owners have to, right. to take care of calls and emails. And I remember talking to Lisa and she said she, she has her iPhone on her all the time. And it, it's almost a 24-7 response, you know, if because she understands the importance of, of being very responsive right and she's very hands-on and she's very good like that and that's something she loves to do and I think it's great that she's doing that and she's definitely having success with it and I know that um, she saved herself a lot of money by doing it on her own however not everybody has that kind of time not everybody wants to invest that kind of time because they either have full-time jobs or it's just not for them depending on where you want to be with it is really the direction you would take there's definitely a hands-on approach and a more hands-off approach yeah, absolutely. Um, just backtracking a little bit, Erica, before we finish, um, there's a question here that I I totally forgotten to to ask. So I'm going to throw it in now about property types and is there an ideal property type? And and you know, is the demand for for properties changing? Has it? Have you seen a real change over the over, let's say over the past three years or so? We have definitely seen the market shifting and the vacation rental guests demanding, you know, different things that they didn't want, you know, years ago. Let me start by saying, um, you know, there's townhouses, condos, and single-family homes. The mo the ones that book the best are single-family homes with their own private pools, and specifically ones that have a southern exposure because they get the most sun. Uh, that being said, condos and townhouses definitely aren't hurting for bookings. However, single-family homes will be booked up first. It just depends on really what's best for you. Condos and townhouses have less maintenance involved and the fees are different. Uh, but going back to what I said about everything shifting, with the single family home, what we've noticed is that as the developers become more and more keen and savvy on what guests are requesting, they're starting to, in the newer communities, and the newer developments, they're starting to put in features that they didn't have before in the older homes. Like a lot of the older homes, you'll see the garages converted into a giant game room which is great, but it gets really hot here in the summer. So the garage just typically doesn't have AC. So it would be, you know, muggy and hot in there unless you put a wall unit on and that's more electricity to pay. They're now building homes that have the 
bonus room, they're calling them upstairs, where you could put the game room so you don't lose the garage and it's indoors and it's not so hot. Um, they're also doing a lot of things like putting in dual master suites, whereas a lot of times you wouldn't have that. You would have mostly just one master suite. They're putting in dual master suites in almost all the new homes. They're typically traveling with two families, um, you know, one couple and their kids, the other couple and their kids, and both couples want to have a master suite. So they're, they're all building them with those now. Uh, and there's features like that that just keep coming up and that people are noticing and putting in, um, you know, like a larger great room it, when you first walk in the house versus a, a separate living room and a separate uh, family room, which really the family room is usually use, useless and nobody uses it. So they use that space elsewhere. So as these new homes start popping up, they start setting the standard and raising the bar in vacation rentals. And not that it's harder for the older homes to keep up, uh, but people are kind of getting spoiled in what they expect. So you really have to start to get creative to keep up with the newer homes that are coming on the market and the newer architecture and design. It's clear that um, you know your, your developers have, have the vacation rental market so totally in mind. And it comes back once again to uh, to anybody who's looking to buy to... Uh, really get in with with somebody who who really really knows what they're doing and what they're talking about because I saw in your book about the dual master suite and it's it's so simple but it's not something that people would normally think about because it's not something that you normally see in a in a property um and I but I remember a few years ago going on vacation with friends and there were just four of us two couples and there was a it was a three-bedroom property now we'd, we'd shared the cost so what happens when you get there and you, as is the case in most places, you've got this this wonderful bedroom with a bathroom and then the other two are, are, are small and perhaps have a shared bathroom. And we were fortunate that we had this property that had the dual master suites. So we both had almost an identical suite and definitely no arguments and, <laughs> and you know, no resentment that somebody's got the better, the better bedroom. And I think that often happens when you're, you're traveling with, um, you know, with, with family and with extended family and friends. So yeah, it's uh, definitely something for everybody. Yeah. But it's not something you'd normally think about when you're looking for a house because it's not something you expect to see. So Erica, you have been a, a fantastic guest. So much information. I loved, loved, loved your book. I loved everything, everything you wish you knew about buying a vacation rental home. It's an e-course because it, it's a whole learning experience, I think. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, I've learned an awful lot from it. Now, um, it's going to be published on March the 2nd, am I right? Yes, we're going to, it's going to be exclusively only um, available to those attending our webinar. And then it'll be released a week after that publicly. Okay, when you say attending your webinar, is that something that's going to be made um, public? Yeah, it, we are going to put our invites out probably in the next couple days. And um, it'll be March 2nd at 7pm. I'll make sure I clue you in on it so that you know what's going on. Okay, well if you let me know um that date then then I can broadcast it. But um but also anybody who who wants to know um they can email my, me directly and and you're going to um to give away a book. We are and I have something special for your listeners. Um we're going to be giving away the e-course to three of your listeners who have been on this uh podcast and have commented with any kind of feedback or questions, we're going to be picking three randomly and giving it away before we even give it out to our own um, 
database. So that's kind of exciting for anybody listening right now because it's over 100 pages packed with information. Uh, it is indeed. Um, we're going to put a time on this. We will make that uh, that draw eight days from now. So on the 28th of February, we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that draw for uh, for the for the ebooks um, from those people who've um, gone into the comments section uh, and let us know what they thought about um, the 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 podcast and 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 perhaps want to ask any more questions about uh, about buying a property from a distance whether it's in Florida or anywhere else. Um, so, uh, so that's all you need to do is just go to the comment section and um, and let us know what you thought and and if you have any questions and then either Erica or myself will come back um, in the comments and uh, and answer those and on the twenty eighth we'll do a draw from those people who made a comment and uh, three winners will take the the book everything you wish you knew about buying a vacation rental home. The other thing you had mentioned, Erica, was a spreadsheet. Yes. That yes. Uh, that you said. Now, how about we say that anybody that has got to the end of this podcast and uh, and emails me using the um, the the word flamingo, we will send them a um, a spreadsheet. How about that? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll send them the spreadsheet that we use and uh, that we've already have figures plugged into. It's for Excel, and they can plug and play and change it all around and put any kind of scenario they want in there for wherever they're buying. Oh, that that sounds fantastic. Um, um, I will uh, I will get one of those myself, and uh, maybe that 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 will help me out. So so once again, all you need to do is to um to email me, and I'll put the, my email address in the show notes. Um, and you have to use the keyword flamingo, and I'm not putting that in the show notes. So <laughs> you, they've got to get to the end of the episode to actually get the keyword. Erica, it's been an absolute joy. It's, uh, you know, to talk to you uh, again. It's been a couple of years since we last chatted and I hope we're not going to leave it so long again. No, not this time. <laughs> uh, I definitely um, I will get down to uh, Orlando at some point and, uh, and we'll meet in person. Or, or maybe the next time you come up to Toronto to do another seminar on um, property in Florida, then, yeah, then I will definitely come into town and, uh, and we'll go out for a meal. Yeah, I would love that. That'd be great. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. You're welcome. We'll talk again soon. That was a really great interview with uh, with Erica. Um, that is uh, a powerhouse of, of a lady. And I, I know if I was looking for property in Florida, in Orlando, uh, instead of the Bahamas, it would be to Erica that I would be heading for her wealth of knowledge and her recommendations on where to buy, what to buy, and and how to go about the whole process. So once again, thanks very much to Erica for content-filled episode. Well, that's it for another episode of uh, Vacation Rental Success. Um, already achieving my goal of, um, of consistency and delivering a... Um, uh, an episode every Thursday and I'm going to continue to do that we're, we're already got uh, next week's in the bag which is a really really interesting uh, conversation with Tyann Marsink of Marsink.com she's a professional photographer and she's going to tell us all about how to take great vacation rental photos so for now thank you so much for, for taking the time to stick with me to the end of this and to um, to support us, I'd love you to go to the uh, to the show notes 
click on review this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. That would be great. Thank you so much and see you again soon.